Welcome to the Work Camper Show, brought to you by WorkCamper.com. This podcast helps you discover how to finance your RV travel dreams. Each one of our episodes will introduce you to people who are already living the RV lifestyle or to work camping opportunities all around the U.S. You'll also learn how to hit the road the right way and make the most of every opportunity. Now let's turn over today's show to your host, Greg Gerber. Today I'm speaking with a man who was full-time RVing for 10 years and continues to do so part-time. He supports his lifestyle by helping people make informed decisions about buying RVs, and then he helps them learn how to drive once they make a purchase. Today's episode is sponsored by WorkCamper News. With its diamond and platinum membership tools, WorkCamper News is much more than just a job listing website. When you put the tools of this professional service into action, you'll find out just how easy it can be to turn your work camping dreams into reality. The one-year memberships open the door to a one-stop shop for all things work camping. Being the original resource for work camping, you'll find the largest number of job listings, be able to connect with the community of work campers, and view resources compiled by experts who've been enjoying the RV lifestyle for many years. If you're serious about leading a successful and enjoyable work camping lifestyle, then a diamond or platinum membership is for you. You can even get started with a free 30-day trial by visiting www.workcamper.com forward slash trial. Embark on new adventures today with the support of Work Camper News behind you. Jeff Baker currently lives in Polk City, Florida. A native of Great Britain, he spent 27 years as a marine engineer in the Royal Navy before retiring and moving to Philadelphia. That's where he met his wife and started driving motor coaches throughout New England. Eventually, the couple bought a motor home and toured America before opting to settle in Florida. He and his wife were attending the Tampa RV Super Show in 2014 when he bumped into Steve Anderson, who was then the owner of War Camper News, as well as Terry Cooper, an instructor who was training RV technicians. Steve and Cooper had a booth at the show hoping to entice people to attend a new class to become RV inspectors. After all, people get expensive houses inspected before buying them, so, logically, they should do the same thing with expensive RVs. Jeff agreed and enrolled in the introductory class, which took place in Bushnell, Florida, with, inspect- with inspector-specific courses offered a few weeks later in Daytona Beach. Stephen Cooper's dream eventually became the National RV Training Academy in Athens, Texas, where people from around the country go to become certified RV inspectors and mobile service technicians. When Jeff completed his training, there were only two inspectors in Central Florida. After a few years of working in cooperation with RV Inspection Connection, Jeff ventured off on his own, launched a website, and created his own pricing structure. He started answering people's questions on Facebook, and his business grew steadily. Jeff also took additional training so that he could fix RVs and key components on them, such as Dometic, Truma, and AquaHot appliances. Over the course of the past nine years, Jeff estimates he completed more than 500 RV inspections. To tell us more about his experiences caravanning across Europe, RVing in the United States, and how he supports his travel lifestyle, please welcome RV inspector Jeff Baker to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Jeffrey. I really appreciate the time. Tell me a little bit about your business and how you got started in the inspection industry. In January 2014, we went to the Tampa RV Super Show and Steve Anderson of Work Camper News had a stall there looking for 
qualified people who'd like to start an inspection business because he and Terry Cooper got together about three to four months earlier and saying that we have plenty of inspectors for houses, but none for RVs and there is definitely a need. So my wife spent about two hours with Steve Anderson and we thought we were looking for something to do. We were, by then we were full-time RV. We'd sold our house, we did full-time in our RV and it seemed like a something to get our teeth around. So I said, okay, we, the big red school house didn't exist. In fact, they didn't even own that car at the time. And they did a road show and we went to Bushnell, Florida. And Steve and Terry ran the week's program five days, learning basically all he needed was to know to cooperate in an RV. And then about a month or so later, I went down to Daytona Beach and Art Horton was the instructor three days in how to inspect an RV. And that's how we got started. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. I was with the RV Inspection Connection, which is the company Steve and, and Terry set up. They would do all the promoting and marketing, and then as inspection requirements came up, they'd send it out to their registered inspectors and we go do the inspection. Okay. We had some software back then that Terry created, but it was slow to get off the ground. It took three to four years before it really started getting going. By that time, they had decided to shut down RV inspection collection. And said, okay, guys, you're off on your own. That was the best thing that could have happened. I'll create the website on GoDaddy. We changed our pricing structure. We decided at that time, this was in 2017, only to do one level of inspection. Because I guarantee you, if you fall up a home inspector and you want to get your home inspected, there's only one level of inspection. So we changed our model to that and we changed our pricing structure and it took off. It really went crazy. We loved the National RV Inspection Association.org website for a locator to be able to find an RV inspector. And when we started, and our Horton was in the same position, there were only two of us in Central Florida. And so it became, are you available? Are you available? And I got to the position where if my phone rings, I already know that they want to book an inspection. After we've been doing for a couple of years, we upgraded our website. And once you've been on my website, if you don't want to employ me, you don't call. If you want to employ me, then when the phone rings, they are ready to buy. And I said, okay, what's the rig? You make a model. Where is it? When would you like it inspected? And we go from that. It's taken time. You do a search on Google for Florida Harvey inspectors. We're the first one that show up after the paid advertising. I don't pay for advertising, but it's taken a while to get there. It's not something that's instant. And for those new inspectors that start in the business, you need to do other, what would I call traditional marketing, get your name out. Don't rely on the internet for your business. Part of it, it's part of the picture, but we've been doing it long enough that most of our business comes from the internet. We do business as inspectrv.com. That's our website. I'm looking at your website on my phone right now, and it looks very good, very professional. Did you have to do a lot of search engine optimization in order to get up to 
the number one listing? The company that created that website for us, and I provided most of the written word and the photographs I wanted them to view. I paid them a fairly reasonable sum of money every month for them to do the SEO search engine optimization. But after we'd been doing it for a year, I turned that off, but we didn't lose our position. Okay. I also do a lot of posting primarily on Facebook. And a lot of the time I'm putting in my web address in the Facebook posts. And that also affects search engine optimization. We, we were helping people out, answering their questions on Facebook. I would advise people to take with a pinch of salt what you read on Facebook. Just make sure whoever posts that information knows actually what they're talking about. Because there's a lot of, a lot of misinformation. People think they know, but they don't. I was going to ask about that because it seems to be that people who have been RVing for a long time think that they know a lot about RVs and can walk in and do a cursory inspection or overview and give advice and things like that. But being a certified RV inspector carries a lot more weight and credibility, I would think. Absolutely. If you look at my background, I spent 27 years in the Royal Navy. I'm a Marine engineer by trade. And my job very simply was to not make British warships float move. And all the systems in a warship are very similar to the systems you find on an RV, except they're much bigger. And if you get it wrong, you can sink. <laughs> so I have seen one RV that's built on a boat that looked really weird. I wouldn't trust that. But so I've got a really good background and used to running warships and running machinery, gas turbines, diesel generators, sewer systems, air conditioning systems. It's all the same sort of stuff. So it was a natural fit for me, but I've made the effort to do additional training and courses, including Dometic, Aquahort, Truma. There's a pieces of equipment you'll find on an RV. Not only am I a certified RV inspector, I'm also a technician with the RV Trading Institute, but I don't do work on RVs. I can, I just choose not to. It's not part of my business model. But it's taken a while and say nine years, and we've probably done over five, 500 inspections today. My advice to people is if you're going to buy a house, whether it's a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars, you wouldn't dream of buying it without having that house inspected. Why would you ever think about dropping an awful lot of money on a motorhome or an RV, travel trailer, fits with whatever it is, without having somebody who has the experience and knowledge to take a look at it for you and can point out items that are going on. We've inspected a whole variety that we We've inspected brand new Newmars. We did two last year, Newmar Mountaineers. They were delivered to North Trails RV in Florida and got parked up. North Trails didn't touch them. The, our clients, the buyers were there. We did inspections and we didn't find anything wrong with them at all. No. Wow. I know, we were surprised as well. Now, that doesn't mean to say we know that when we talk to dealers that RVs get delivered to dealers from a variety of manufacturers and they... They're 80% finished and they have to be finished off at the dealership. We've heard those stories as well, or we've heard sewer lines in fifth wheels that have been dry assembled and then they forgot to go back and put the glue in. So don't think that new RVs are exempt from problems. They're not. New houses aren't exempt from problems. Exactly. We had a new house built when we were in real estate and we had our friendly home inspector come up and check it out to make sure it was actually done the way it's supposed to be done. Yeah. 
If you were a member of the Royal Navy for many years, does that mean you were doing caravanning over in the United Kingdom? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So I've you've got been, your experience. I've been RVing. I was trying to work it out. I've probably been RVing for at least 50 years. Wow. That's cool. Start with, started with 10 camping. I was seven years old and I camped in my parents' backyard of one house. And it was the best experience. It was in the summer and it wasn't rainy. But at 7.30 in the morning, my mother brings me a cup of tea. So I thought well, that was great. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. Great way to yeah. start camping. <laughs> yeah. So I've had caravans as we pulled them, travel trailers. I had a little Fiat. Remember those old VW camper vans? Yes. Fiat made one just like with the pop-up roof. And I had one of those. So I did a lot of camping and traveling and we'd love to take it on the ferry and go across to France for summer vacation. Okay. Yeah. When did you move to America? The Royal Navy sent me to Philadelphia in, when was it? It was September, 1990. Okay. Well, I've been here 32 years. Wow. All right. Yeah. So you just retired and stayed. I retired and stayed and met my wife, Laura, but we'd been married 30 years. Oh, so congratulations. Well. And we lived full time in that motorhome for 10 years. Yeah. We went looking, talk about a bucket list. This was way when bucket lists first started. We were going to visit my daughter. And we were working on this new bucket list app. Now this is 15, 14 years ago. So apps weren't as prolific as they are now. And I said, I'd always love to buy an RV and travel the country. Her next words were, okay, where? Not really? Yeah. And she was heading down the dealership looking at motorhomes. We decided we wanted a motorhome because I'm a marine engineer. I like big diesels and she's from the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia, and she did not want a truck. It was a class A, and we were looking, we looked at a particular model, and it was not in great condition. Right behind it was this thing called a mountaineer. We'd never even heard it. We told the salesperson, what's that? He said, I don't know. It came in yesterday. It's a bit fun. So we took one look at it, took it for a test drive, made an offer. And as they say, the rest is history. We sold our house within 10 months, got rid of everything. Everything we owned was in that motorhome and we had a little Honda fit at the time to tow behind it. And that was it. And we hit the road. Okay. And didn't never look back. What were you doing when you were on the road? Were you inspecting RVs at that point? No, we hadn't even started the inspection okay. business. I was still driving motor coaches out of the Philadelphia area up into New York and BC and things. I was driving motor coaches, big ones. And then we decided to, uh, to hit the road. We traveled. For about four to five months and we, our agreement was we're going to do it two years and we're going to find somewhere where we want to settle down we finished up in orlando and i needed some extra income so we weren't doing the inspection business at all i went to interview with disney they said oh you need a florida license we can't even do any more of your application so i said okay i walked out the door i walked over to the other big bus company in orlando mears destination services with my military background, my commercial driver's class, a commercial driver's license with a passenger endorsement. They say, can you start Monday? <laughs> so I, that was Thursday. I think I'm get my license changed on Friday and Monday. I set it up and I drove for years for two and a half years. We rented a pad in thousand trails of land. So I wasn't, we were work camping because we were living in a motorhome, but I wasn't working at the campground. We were did something else. And then in the meantime, my wife got a job at Disney. So she worked at Disney for six years. I did 
work camping and growth for mayors for two and a half years. I then stopped for about six months. And in the meantime, we started the inspection business. And so I was working part-time for Disney by then, and I would schedule the inspections when I wasn't driving buses for Disney. So it was a, a combined thing. And then the inspection business took off. Disney changed their employment world to the union. And I decided that I don't want to do that anymore. And that's where I do the inspection business. Okay. Did you? And I also, I'm also an RV driving instructor, the RV driving school. So we'll inspect RVs and we'll teach people to drive. So oh. that's basically what I did. Now, when you took your training, I think you alluded to the fact that it was through the Mobile RV Training Academy, not the NRV in Athens, Texas. Is that right? They hadn't, they didn't do that. So Steve Anderson and Terry Kufor did a pony road show right. and they went yep. to different campgrounds and set off and we spent five days at the campground. Ours was in Bushnell, Florida. So I don't know what they called it, but yeah, I think they called it the RV, the mobile mm -hmm. RV trading academy. Yep. yep. Okay. That's when I did the training, 2014. Super. And what stood out most about that training that convinced you that this was the thing to do for you? Oh, you mean other than Terry Cooper was on the roof of my RV looking at the, looking at the air conditioner? <laughs> yes. It was like, it's not rocket science. Mm -hmm. It's if you've got a background in engineering, mechanical and electrical, and you have experience in dealing with electrical systems and mechanical systems, whether it's industrial engineering, whether it's auto engineering, or for me, it's marine engineering, you can easily transfer that to the RVs. You've got to learn about systems, but the principles are the same. What type of RVs do you typically inspect? I've done four Prevos. Haven't done a new one. Anything that people want to buy, basically. Okay. And my preference is motorhomes, because I love motorhomes, because I have one. My thought is, if you are buying a motorhome, you might just want to double check with the inspector that you are thinking about hiring to see how much experience they have of inspecting motorhomes, because they're a different beast from a fifth wheel or travel trailer. They really are different. There's a lot of the things in the box that sits on the top that's similar, but, but there's a lot more to that engineering that goes on to that big diesel in the back and the transmission and uh, suspension and drive systems, air brake systems. It's very different. So my recommendation would be, if you're thinking about buying a motorhome, find an, ex find a an inspector who's really experienced in motorhomes and ideally actually owns one because mm -hmm. they'll know all the wrinkles that are going on. And fifth wheels, travel trailers, boy haulers, we inspect it all. They all have their own little idiosyncrasies. So you don't limit right. yourself to one specific type of RV, like motorhomes no. only, or we no. won't do motorhomes. I know some inspectors no. do that. Okay, cool. No. no. And all of your inspections are local. Within how many miles of Plant City, Florida, or Polk City? Polk City. Usually, uh, I'm usually about 100 miles. Okay. But if somebody, like, we'll go down the North Trails, and I usually go down the night before, and I'll charge them an extra traveling fee, because I'm going to spend the night down there, and then the following day, I do the inspection and then come home. I won't drive to North Trails. It's two and a half hours. I won't do an eight-hour inspection with a five-hour travel time all built in. So pre-explain to the client, we're happy to come and down and do it, but there will be a, 
probably, and most of them, because they've been on my website, they've seen the sort of service we provide. They're more than happy to pay the extra. What do you charge for a travel fee? It varies. Somewhere, if it's local, within a 50-mile radius, we don't use it to anything. After that, it's somewhere between 50 and 100 bucks. And if it's an overnight stay is included, it's going to go up to 150. Okay. Okay. But it's areas. That's fair enough. Yeah. And you said your inspection, you're typically spending eight hours on an inspection. Is that typical of all of the RVs that you do? I'm sure it's something. You know, I did a travel trailer yesterday by myself and it took me four and a half hours. Okay. Travel trailer. If I'm doing a class A tag axle diesel pusher, that's going to take me seven to eight hours if we're doing fluids as well, because it's an hour to all the fluids. Mm -hmm. In what I really love about this business is that my wife comes along with me. I've trained her. She's a safety professional, but she does a lot of the inside stuff, but she has a particular project right now. My, uh, my eldest grandson is getting married in the UK in September, and she has a double wedding ring quilt, queen size quilt to make. So her time is taken up making this quilt as our wedding present for this young couple. So yeah. That's got to be convenient then. So you specialize in the mechanical things of the RV and she would come in and evaluate the interiors. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Super. Yeah. Super. And yeah. how do you price your inspections? Do you have a flat rate for all of them? Or is Depends it what it is. Okay. Fifth wheels, travel trailers, a one price class. B's and C's are a similar sort of price. Class A's are a, a bigger price. If they've got a tag axle, that's an additional fee. And anything over 10 years, there's an additional fee as well, because there's more to look at, more to be concerned about in a rig that's over 10 years old. Oh, okay. So there is an age premium. Do you look at different things when they're over 10 years or is it just? No. Okay. I just have to be more aware to knowing where to look. Is the big key because I can go and inspect a particular rig, a particular make and model. And if it's 10 years old, I know exactly where to go and look because I've seen it before, but I still have to be careful. I don't miss it. So a typical inspection, one word of caution for people looking for an inspector. There's a company out there where they take about, I don't know, an hour and a half and they don't get on the rig, but I won't mention which company they are, <laughs> where they undercut the fee, which in this world, we get all the people. So first thing I do is I check the registration information. Then I will do a hot skin test, making sure there's no live voltage on the outside of the RV before I even touch it. And then the next thing do, we get on the roof. And I never, ever use the ladder that's installed on the width of the RV. And do you know why Numart doesn't put ladders on the back of their RVs these days? I don't know. Because in Numart's world, their clients had no business getting on the roof of an RV. Okay. You should be trained and qualified. And as you look at the demographics of people who typically buy these expensive RVs, baby boomers retiring, they have no business getting on the roof of an RV. I would agree with but that. Yes. I have a special ladder with special handrails that I carry with me to get on the roof. And I'm always on all fours. I don't walk on the roof. I fall on the roof. A, it's safe from B, it actually gets me up close and personal to issues I can find on the roof, whether it's soft roof spots, whether the potential leak spots, bad seawalls and stuff. And then once we've done that, we go around the outside of the RV, look at all the bays, and then we go underneath, we check the, uh, the suspension, 
We make sure we check big those are the tires. One thing I always try and mention to clients, generally the RV community basically is if you're going to the dealership or you're going to a tire dealer and you're buying new tires for your RV, make sure you tell that dealership that or that on tire poles that I want tires that are less than six months old and I want you to mount the bait codes on the outside of the tunnels and I am going to check. We inspected a rig and the guy, this was a few years ago, the seller, when I showed up said, oh yes, this is great. Everything's going on. I've just had brand new tires put on. I found a brand new tire, one tire on the front steer axle. All the other tires were three years old. Yes, that was his reaction. And I did another inspection recently. It was, it was a little gasser, 35 foot gas RV. It was a couple of years old, new little thing. And I'm looking at date codes and I see a date code that says, it says 2013. Now this rigs is a 2020. So it said 2013. I, in my mind, I thought, oh, that's week 13 of 2020. And then I looked at the tire, the condition of the tire. And I'm looking at the sidewall of this tire with the cracks and things on it. And I reread that date. It was week 20 of 2013 on a 2020 rig. Wow. So when the seller came back and I said, what's going on with that tire? Oh, we had a problem with on the highway. We had it. We had had a blowout. I'd have to get a new tire. The tire service came. Eight, and I paid, I said, my tire is 10 years old. You, and he had a tire insurance program. I said, you've got to call that company. You just got ripped off because that tire is no business being on the RV. So keep an eye on your tires, keep an eye on the date codes and make sure. Cause if you tell the tire company that you are going to be looking, they know they can't slide old stock. Or anyway, that's just a little more. That's a good idea. And then we go inside and we test all the services and systems, air conditioning, heating, lighting, ventilation, plumbing, sewer. A lot of the time we find RVs are great, but every now and again, you look at an RV, I would say 50% of our business is people have seen the RV on the internet. They're in California or they're in Wisconsin and the RV's in Florida and uh, they want somebody to go and look at it before they fly down and check it out for themselves. And uh, sometimes they're great. And sometimes we give them the heads up saying, really, I would never tell somebody whether or not they will buy it or not, but I usually write the report in such a way that if you see all these red flags on the beginning of the report coming down, you really want to double think about whether you want to buy this, because there's always another option. Is there enough demand for inspectors to keep them busy? We went away for six weeks recently. We took our RV up to visit my daughter in Virginia, and then we went over to Tennessee for an all-inclusive motorhome club rally. And I would say. I'd be getting at least one to two calls a day asking for inspections in Florida. People are telling me now, if you did a search in Polk City for an NRVIA certified inspector in Central Florida, where I am, 33 come up. Wow. And then people start calling around and they're not here. They're not doing it. Oh, I'm an inspector, but I'm really a technician and I don't, I'm booking like two months out and that's for repair business. We don't really do inspections. So. Just because they're on the NRVIA website, it doesn't necessarily mean to say they're available. Do you have any expenses that are big expenses that you have to cover every month or every quarter, every year? Yes. I have business liability insurance. This is about $600 a year, and that's just for the inspection business. 
of cell phones. We have an AT&T business account. We have two iPhones and two iPads and two Apple watches. And we have unlimited data on the iPhones and the iPads. And each of those pieces of equipment have a 100 gigabytes of hotspot data. Wow. So that's our internet, our cell phones, and we use iPads for our inspection. So that covers our inspection software as well. So because we bought new phones, before the new phones, that was just over 200 a month for the internet and cell phones, which is a necessary evil these days. I, I have my equipment, the software that I use, I have, I decided to buy and pay for a full seat in the inspection software we use, which is $225 a year. And the software was a one-time purchase. So I don't have a monthly nut, so to speak. Okay. What other expenses? It cost us about a thousand dollars to set up the company. We are registered in the state of Florida. We have a registered agent as required. That's $125 a year to use a service for a registered agent. But, and I've got some tools and things, but I think the most expensive tool I have is a, is a climb multimeter that was 250 bucks. Okay. My so manometer was 50 bucks. And I've got a variety of small tools, a little electric drill and stuff like that, but it's all, most mechanics will have the equipment that you need to do, do this business. One of the fun, mm-hmm. the cheapest piece of equipment I have was 75 cents. It's called the green doohickey. The green doohickey. I bought it in a yard sale. And one of the things all RVers have to do is to make sure they open their emergency escape window every month, once a month, make sure it opens. When we do the inspection, sometimes we can't get it open. So Laura says, Jeff, get the green doohickey. So it's actually, it's a kid's plastic spoon and fork. And I use it from the outside. If she pushes from the inside, I use it from the outside to lever the window open. Okay. And of course, plastic, it doesn't do any damage, but it get those wind, gets those windows open. Okay. So a little bit, a little bit of extra we do. I always like to try and find something that I can improve or fix in the RV we inspect, not usually a big thing, but usually just a little something that I know will make a difference in that RV. Maybe a battery terminal is a little loose. It needs to be tightened down. So I'll do that. I don't do any mate repair work. So you yeah. do that as a courtesy. Yeah. And sometimes they know about it. Sometimes they don't. So when it comes to expenses, it sounds like if an inspector has two inspections, they've covered all the expenses to acquire the equipment, the software, except the training. Training, of course, is more expensive or to set up the business. Is that right? If I do two inspections a month, I've covered the expenses for that month. Everything else under that is is profit. Now, we travel quite a bit. And so our real work camping experience, we did two. We went to, when COVID was clearing up, Friends of ours were in Vermont and Vermont State Parks didn't have any work campus because parks were shut down and the work campus went up somewhere else. So they said that there's, there's a Vermont State Park, Mount Escutney, halfway up Vermont on off 91 that needs work camping couples. So we thought, sure, why not? We'd rented our site that we'd already bought. We bought an RV parent in the Orlando area before we bought this house. And we rented it out, so we had nowhere to go. We couldn't go to where we were. So we decided to go to Vermont and we camped on the side of a mountain. It's 
the only sites in the Vermont State Park system that has full hookup to the work campus sites, we were there for three months and we cleaned one bathroom, we rate campsites for them, we worked 30 hours a week for the hookup site. And while I was there, we get calls for inspections and calls for RV driving school. Okay. And then, and then we decided we'd never lived in Texas. We'd been to Texas, but we never lived in it. So fellow inspector of mine, his name's Don Baker. He lives in Marble Falls. I said, you know what? I think it'll come into Texas. And he says, you're going to work camp. Check out Inkslate State Park. It's probably, it is always in the top five of state parks in Texas. It's in the hill country, run it. And it's about 45 miles northwest of Austin. And we get there. It's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. Rolling hills, the cactus, the lakes, it's Inks Lake, the lake. It's right on this whole river complex of various dams and lakes. The only problem we had, of course, did you hear about that freeze in Texas in February of 2021? Oh, yeah. We were there. <laughs> but we're in our new month. We knew it was coming. We filled up with fuel and propane and kept the freshwater tank full, disconnected everything outside. The biggest problem was taking the dogs out in the snow and ice that was there for two weeks. We couldn't get out of the park because <laughs> they didn't clear the roads. It was all icy and we couldn't move, but we had a great experience. It was a lot of fun. That's yeah. neat. Now you said you don't do any advertising. So how do you find your customers? Is it through only the internet and they yes. find you? Okay. Or it's a repeat customer, which I've had a couple of those, or it's a referral from a customer. Okay. But that's it. I'm supposed to be retired. Okay. I'm 75 this week. Wow. My wife keeps thinking I've got no business climbing on the roofs of RVs. Oh, I say, I'll give it a, I'll see how it goes. So it's not our primary source of income, but it's a great extra income. And as Mark Kohler would say, he's the tax CPA that, that talks to the inspectors when they first start their business. If you don't have a small side hustle business, you're giving the government too much money. So this is our side hassle business. Yes, we make money. I keep trying to lose money, but it doesn't work. We keep making a profit, but you know what? Paying taxes on profit is a good thing when you think about it. I can't watch too much Netflix or Amazon Prime. It keeps me out and busy and keeps the brain working. And I'm moving around, exercising. You're crawling around an RV for six hours. Maybe a little difficult getting up off the knees, but I do it. But yeah, we'll see. But don't expect the new inspectors, don't expect the Holy Grail within a week of getting your certification. We, there were a few of us who've been around a while. My NRVIA number is 129. So we've been around a while. It took us probably at least three to four years of getting the word out about having an RV inspected. And we still hear about people. I still meet people saying, oh my goodness, I wish I knew known you or about your services when I bought my RV. I didn't know about the inspection service. So we're still working to get that word out. It is still, it's a growing conversation online in the RV industry about getting an ins getting your RV inspected. And my experience of all the people that I've dealt with through inspections, whether it's private sale more dealerships, especially the dealerships, they really welcome the RV inspectors because an extra set of eyes from a dealership's point of view, because their guys can't catch everything. They much rather know about a problem 
while the RV is still on the dealership lot and get it fixed rather than have it break down 500 miles from their dealership and then they've got to pay somebody to come and fix it. So our, our motto for our company is protecting your dream. So we want to protect the dream of the RV because they really see the excitement of the RVing lifestyle, whether they're just traveling or whether they're going to go full time as something they really want to do. And if we can help them maintain that dream and not hear online the complaints about things that go wrong, because everybody's out to complain about what's going wrong. So you see more of that, but there are a lot of people out there very successfully and having a great time mm-hmm. in their RVs, whether it's fifth wheels, travel trailers, or motor. What, what could an inspector reasonably expect to make either full-time or part-time as an inspector? I reckon now we're not working. We probably work maybe five to six months of the year, make ourselves available because of our travel schedule. And we probably grow somewhere between 40 and $50,000 a year. Okay. Now, if I was to do it full time and work three to four inspections a week or a year, you're talking over a hundred pounds. That's it? very it? doable. Really? Three to four oh, inspections yeah. a week. Okay. Yeah. And that's Once it. you're established and you're the go-to guy to get called okay. to do that inspection. Now we have retirement income, so. It's extra money that we enjoy using and spending is why you do it. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like even if somebody's half of what you're making, that's a decent income anyway. It definitely do. And of course, I add the RV driving school to it as well. So in fact, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have fun the next two days. It's a brand new 43 foot Newmar duck spawn that he and his wife would like to learn to drive and they want to have the add on know your RV. So we'll throw that inspection in as well. And it's six hours a day for two days. And I believe they'll be very happy. I did one about four weeks ago. It was a 43 foot fifth wheel toy hauler with three axles. That's a big, uh, big dually truck. Young couple. She had never even driven a tour. Wow. She learned to back that thing up in a straight line in 15 minutes. I couldn't believe it. It was like, wow. And then at the end of the training, she's, I heard her say to her partner, I said, when we go camping, when we go camping, we're going to take it in turn to back it into the camping spot. You almost couldn't get her out of the seat. Really? Okay. People get concerned and scared about these big RVs, but it's just because they haven't done it and haven't had somebody who knows what they're doing, sit alongside them to get rid of that fear that they have about things that can go wrong. And you put their fears rest and they tell them, you teach them how to do it safely on these crazy roads. That's the goal. What are some of the biggest surprises that you've uncovered in your inspections? We did a three-year-old fifth wheel, put the slides out and I had a, I take a screwdriver and I bang the bottom of the slide out floor. It went through the floor. Three years old. Oops. Yes. Oops. So that was one of the ones. I always encourage, you always have to get on the roof. We did, we did a fifth wheel and I'm falling around the roof and the rubber membranes got a two foot tearing and all around it in soft wood. So I get down and tell the seller, he had no idea he torn the roof of his RV. He said, oh yeah, I did go under a Greenland once, never checked it. The buyer still bought the RV 
because the seller contacted his insurance company and they got a whole brand new roof on the insurance. It was, that's what it should have been. But unfortunately, you should get up or have somebody do a visual inspection in your roof, I believe, at least once every six months. Just to double check to make sure, especially if you've got a rubber roof. Not so much with a fiber doors, but if you've got a rubber roof or a TPO roof or bright tech, they can be torn if you go under low, low trees and things. I told you about the, uh, the 10-year-old tire on a two-year-old rig. That was, I put it blown me away. It was like, I did not expect to see that, but what other things? I know on my rig, I'm on a Spartan Mountain Master chassis, and I know that those early Mountain Master chassis have ball joint problems because the rubber grommets fail and there's no Zyrtec grease fitting. We couldn't put up with the squeaking anymore and had those changed out about three or four years ago. My rig runs like a dream down the road now. Oh, go on. Yeah. So those, I have a, oh, I tell you the thing I love. All right. So you go to these RV parks, no rigs over 10 years old allowed in. You ever been to that? And then you drive around the RV park and you find rigs that are 25 years old, <laughs> look like they're falling apart. It's really, you make this 10 year rule. My rig was repainted two years ago. So it's, it's my rig's now two years old. Because it looks like a two-year-old rig. It doesn't look like a 22-year-old rig. Would you recommend becoming an inspector to other people who are considering doing so? If you are self-motivated and if you have an inkling and you like to mess around with, I was going to call it a spanner, but you call it wrenches and screwdrivers and you have a little bit of knowledge about electricity and you don't mind getting your hands dirty, yes. Mm -hmm. If I were 30 years younger, I would actually become fully qualified and become an RV technician. If you're mechanically or electrically minded, doesn't matter whether you're male or female, we've got some great lady inspectors and technicians. It's not a, it's not a job for one sex. You, no matter what you are, you can do this really can, but you need a little bit of mechanical aptitude and know how to, what end a wrench is and what end a screwdriver is and a multi. Sure, absolutely. You need to be self-motivated, but as I said, and you don't mind getting dirty and falling around these things, there's a lot of satisfaction in doing a great job. Thank you very much, Jeffrey. This has been great. I appreciate Jeff Baker for taking time to share his interesting story about becoming one of the first professional RV inspectors in the United States. It was 15 years ago when Jeff mentioned to his wife that someday he'd like to get an RV and travel all over America. The next thing Jeff knew, they were looking at motorhomes at a nearby dealership. A short time later, they started full-time RVing. Eventually, they decided to settle in Florida, where Jeff once again started driving motor coaches shuttling tourists around the area. He was technically a work camper because he and his wife lived in an RV park, but he also drove big buses to earn money. He continued driving buses while building his inspection business until his employer at the time imposed some new policies about employment that made him uncomfortable. Fortunately, building the inspection business gave Jeff the option to move into full-time self-employment. Today, Jeff and his wife are both actively involved as inspectors. He zeroes in on the mechanical aspects and exterior condition of the RV while she focuses on the interior. He also works as a driving instructor to help people learn how to operate motorhomes, as well as how to back up and tow travel trailers and fifth wheels. Yet the couple manages to find time to go RVing 
and even to do some work camping jobs at state parks, like in Vermont and in Texas. In fact, they only inspect RVs about five or six months a year, so they can enjoy the rest of the time traveling and holding down traditional work camping jobs. People can connect with Jeff by visiting www.inspectrv.com or by checking out their Facebook page where Jeff has posted some photos of strange things he's uncovered during his inspections. Today's episode is brought to you by WorkCamper News. Since 1987, they've been helping businesses of all types find and recruit WorkCampers who serve in a variety of positions around the country to help further the mission of great businesses. When you become an employer member at WorkCamper.com, you'll have access to resources and support to help you develop and implement your WorkCamper recruitment strategy. In today's market, it's more challenging than ever to keep a flow of applicants coming in. WorkCamper News recommends advertising your current and future work camping job openings frequently throughout the year, as well as scheduling some time to regularly search the WorkCamper resume database because new work campers are joining daily. Work campers like to plan many months ahead, so now's the time to take action to begin developing your work camper team. You can learn more and download a quick start guide for employers at www.workcamper.com forward slash employer. That's all I have for this week's show. I'll have another interview on the next episode of The Work Camper Show. Thanks for listening, and I hope you're enjoying a safe and memorable summer.